Oh, dear. We become a race of peeping toms. What people ought to do is get outside their own house and look in for a change. Yes, sir. How's that for a bit of homespun philosophy? Now, Frank Sinatra, transcribed as Rocky Fortune. NBC presents Frank Sinatra, starring as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. I guess I've had some strange jobs in my time. Once I was a shill for a guess-your-weight guy in a carnival. I'd come up there looking like a rube, and he'd guess my weight at 200 even. Everybody in the crowd gives him the old ha-ha. However, they don't know I got the lead in my pants. About 50 pounds in my two hip pockets. You never really know when you start in just how a job's gonna turn out. Sometimes the one that looked like the tamest turned out to be the loaded. Like the time I'm sent by the agency to play parlor maid to a gang of plaster pair statues. The sign on the front of the window said Oliver Bates, Object Dart. <laughs> It looks like I've intruded on ladies' night in an uninhibited Turkish bath. Most of the plaster statues are dames, and most of the dames would be arrested on the spot if they ever set foot on Jones Beach at daylight. Pretty soon, an oily little guy slides out under the door from the back room and oozes up to me. Yes, sir. <clears throat> yes, sir. What can I do for you? A reproduction for your library? A nymph? A satyr? Some pawn? Sure, any time. What do you got in mind? I beg your pardon? Oh, it's all right. You Oliver Bates? Yes. Well, the agency sent me over. They said you needed a handyman. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, do you know anything about dusting statuary? What is there to know about dusting it? Well, the statues aren't intrinsically valuable, of course. But still, we must be careful. Aren't they beautiful? Hmm. What happened to this one? She bite her nails? That is the Venus de Milo. Oh. Well, when do I start? Right away. I'll uh, expect you to keep all the statues dusted, the floor swept, and the windows cleaned. Tell me, Mr. Bates, what is all this stuff? Looks like dream night in a DT ward. My dear fellow, these are some of the finest statuary reproductions available. For example, this is a gargoyle from Notre Dame. Oh, I remember this cat. He used to play fullback. Sam Gargoyle. And this is the Aztec god Paliago Chilia Chilia. Gesundheit. Of course, you know you'll spend the nights here. They told me, but I didn't bargain for this collection of gremlins... Is this stuff the genuine McCoy? Of course not. They're plaster reproductions. Take this one, the Hag at Bay. The original stands in the Palazzo del Marco in Florence. Isn't she lovely? Yeah, she reminds me of the old broad that sells the pretzels on 48th Street. She's got cobwebs on her nose. Look out. Be careful. Just her off a little bit. Ticklish, honey. Look out, you fool. It's falling. I got it. I got it. Uh, you fool. You idiot. Look what you've done. Her arm comes off, that's all. Get away from there. Don't touch it. Maybe I could glue it back on. No, no, go away. Get out of here. How much does it cost? You can take it out of my salary. Don't touch it. Look, Mr. Bates, what's it worth? What's it worth? Oh, <coughs> oh well, I suppose it really can be mended. I'll just carry it back uh, to the shelf after this. Be careful. Okay. Hey, gargoyle. How do you think you'll do against Southern Cal? 
It turns out that Bates is running strictly a schlock house. He imports these plaster dummies from Italy for a couple of hundred lira apiece, which in American money ain't worth counting. He sells them over here to art lovers for 25 clams, which is a markup would have Macy's tarot talking to Gimbals. I put in a couple of hours talking football with a gargoyle when a car squeals to a stop in front of the store. One of those foreign jobs about three and a half blocks long with a chauffeur out in the cold. An old geezer in a scotch plaid shawl crawls out of the back and totters in. He's leaning on a silver-headed cane and a blonde-headed dish with a pair of legs that weren't off a piano. Bates! Bates! Where is he? Bates! Now don't excite yourself, Mr. Spruill. Remember the doctor. Oh, that doctor's an idiot. Bates! You! Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> oh. oh, you're not Bates. I'm Rocky Fortune. Rocky, I don't want you. Bates! Yes, 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 Sproul. I, I was in the back. I, I didn't hear you. Fortune, get Mr. Sproul's chair. I don't want a chair. I want to talk um, about... Mr. Sproul, perhaps we'd better go inside? Now, here, here. I, I drove all the way from Westchester to this miserable little shop, and I won't be put off. Of course, Mr. Sproul. We can talk in my private office this way. Oh, oh, yes, yes, of course. Sharon, wait here for me. Yes, Mr. Sproul. He's a peppery old buzzard, ain't he? Mm-hmm. That old buzzard is Jonathan J. Spruill. Oh, you mean he's the old nut with the copper money, huh? He has $8 million invested in copper, yeah. That's a lot of copper. You work for him? I'm his secretary. Must be nice to have $8 million in copper. You work for, uh, Mr. Bates? Yeah. Must be very interesting work. It's a living. Can you tell me about the statue? Sure. What do you want to know? Well, are they all, uh, plastered? All except Gargoyle, he's in training. Oh, very funny. You really know about them? Sure. Bates couldn't get along without me. Look, when you've tucked the old man in for his afternoon nap, why don't you come on back and I'll tell you all about him. I'm sorry. I'll be busy with Mr. Spruill's collection all day. What's he collect? Bottle caps? Mr. Spruill is probably the world's foremost private collector of antique artifacts. Is that a fact? He has the only complete set of early Greek amphorae with lids. What's amphorae? Vases. Delicate ceramic vases. And he's got the lids? That's right. Sweetie, you can call them amphorae, Liz. I call them bottle caps. <sighs> About this time, Bates pours himself out of his office and sends me out for supper. I'm not particularly anxious to go because the counterman at the one-armed joint around the corner has his shirt button two buttons lower than Sharon, but the effect is not the same. I inhale a bowl of chili and a piece of rubber meringue pie and head back to the store. There's nobody in front of the store, so I walk through to the back, tipping my hat to the hag at bay as I pass, and I open the office door. Good, you're still here. I was afraid you'd... Hey, what's Bates doing on the floor? Mr. Bates! Mr. Bates! <laughs> He's dead. You ain't kidding, lady. Somebody blew out the back of his head, and it took a big gun to do that. A gun? Yeah, maybe a forty-five automatic, something like the one you're holding in your hand. Maybe you better give it to me right now. But... Huh. Now you better tell Rocky all about it. Well, I, I didn't do it. Look, Sharon, I find you standing over a stiff with a real hot rod. Well, you got to believe me. I found him this way. Mr. Spruill at this shawl, he, he sent me back for it, and I walked in, and... And I... 
Don't tell me that you picked the gun up off the floor. I don't know why. I... I... Hey, you're real scared, aren't you? It was awful. I... I touched him. My hand... All right, all right, all right. Slow down. Did you see anybody when you came in? No. Yes. Yes, wait a minute. There was a... There's a black car halfway down the block, and it drove off just as I came in. Maybe it was a heist. Let's see. Bates kept his roll in his pocket. Uh, it's gone, all right. He must have had a couple of hundred in that. Hey. What is it? An insurance policy on his last shipment. Well, the shipment is safe. Bates should have made the policy straight life, I guess. What's that? Snow White and the two dopes. What? A patrol car. Somebody must have heard the shot. What'll I do? They won't believe me. Look, we're both in a spot. Camping out over a corpse is not popular with the lads in blue. Sharon, this whole deal is fishy in the Fulton Street market on Friday morning. Come on. Where are you going? Out the back. But the police will think that I... If we stay here, they won't have to think. They'll pin it on you like a gardenia. Come on. We do a Comanche sneak out the back door while the cops waste the taxpayer's rubber squealing to a stop in front. We beat it down an alley and around the corner onto the street. By the time we slow down to a walk, Sharon's out of air, breathing heavy, which on her looks good. What do we do now? That's a good question. There are a couple of leads I got in mind. Leads? That Bates was as phony as a showgirl's eyelash. Why do you say that? A couple of reasons. For one thing, what would a two-bit operation like that need a night watchman for? He never had one up until the time he hired me. For another thing, that insurance policy. It was for 50 grand. Oh, now, what does that mean? He had something in that store beside dying swan. But what? That's what I'd like to know. Look, let's move. You ain't going nowhere, what? <laughs> if that's your finger, pal, you got stuck in my back, your nails need cutting. That's ain't no finger buster. That's a six-inch knife. You can cut a hair with it, lengthwise. Okay, Mr. Penting, I got him. Good work, Butler. What's the idea of it? Shut up. Look out for the knife. You'll damage the herringbone. One more part of you, I'll damage the backbone. All right, Puddler. I'm sure they'll cooperate. In a pig's eye. What do you want? Well, you see, I have my car, and I thought I might drop you somewhere. No, thanks. It's a nice night. I'll walk. Enter the car, white guy. All right, all right. Would you prefer the back or the jump seat, miss? Doesn't make any difference. Well, I'd like Get to... Get in there, Joe. All right, don't push. Everybody comfy? Great. Your gorilla sitting on my head. Really, Puddler? You should be polite to our passengers. Well, Mr. Bunsinger, you don't want them to know where we're going, do you? Certainly not. Let him up. Okay. But if you don't want him to say... Don't be crude about it. The civilized way is like this. Mr. Benzinger reaches back from the front seat and lays the butt of a 38 just back of my ear. I lose interest in most everything at that point and start on a personal inspection tour of several deep shaft coal mines without benefit of safety light. The next thing I see is a pair of bushy eyebrows and I figure it's John L. checking up on my union card. By the time I get my eyes propped wider, I discover it's the ape puddler looking at me. For a while, I think I'm still out because his face is turning from green to red to orange to yellow to blue and back to green. It takes me a minute to figure. Suddenly, I get it. I am in some kind of a loft with a skylight, and the technicolor effect comes from an advertising sign somewhere outside. He's batting his eyes, Mr. Banzinger. Give him some water. You're a wet plugger. Not that way, in a glass. <coughs> 
What are you guys trying to pull? Should I start with a telephone book? Not yet, Butler. The telephone book won't hurt him much. It just kind of pikes him up. Wait. You are Rocky Fortune? <sighs> yeah. Hey, where's the girl? In the next room. Fortune, before I let Puddler earn his keep, perhaps you'd like to tell me where it is. Where what is? You say, Mr. Panzinger, if you let me start with a telephone book, this wouldn't happen. Quiet. Your employer saw fit to resist our simple questions. You knocked him off. Unfortunately, Puddler's reflexes are quicker than his intellect. Yeah. Therefore, it's up to you to... Tell us where it is. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I can start with a Staten Island book, Mr. Brunzinger. That's real pen. Please. Quite damn boy. At the proper moment, Puddler, you may use the Manhattan Red Book. Fortune, your time is running out, and I am running out of patience. Why don't you just give up? Bates would have an assistant who didn't know. Bates didn't tell me anything. He didn't even trust me with his two-bit statues. You should have heard him holler when I broke the arm of an old plaster bag. You'd have thought it was made out of gold. You guys are making a big mistake if you think he told me anything. That's no use, Mr. Panzinger. This crumb won't talk. Why don't you lie? On the contrary, Puddler. I think he has talked. I have? He has? Puddler, you will escort Mr. Fortune somewhere into the country and uh, lose him permanently. A pleasure. Unfortunately, I will not be able to accompany you in the car. I'm sure Mr. Fortune would give his word of honor not to make any trouble. Oh, yes. You cross my heart and hope to die. Yes, I wouldn't be at all surprised, but uh, just to make sure, uh, Puddler. Yes, Mr. Banzinger. The uh, Brooklyn book? Right. I am back in the coal mine again, and I'm beginning to figure I should have portal to portal pay. This time, the first thing I notice is a delicate aroma. It is vaguely familiar, and then I place it. The last time I go down to the track at Mammoth Park, when the train comes out of the tunnel on the Jersey side, a sudden essence arrives simultaneously with the sunlight. I discover that this is the place where all good pigs go to die. Secaucus, New Jersey. Well, this is where I am again. I bat one eye and find I'm driving along with Puddler. He's got one hand on a portable howitzer and the other on the wheel. So I play possum. When the car stops, Puddler gets out on his side and comes around the back to get me. Only when he gets there, I'm gone. Hey, 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 yo! So long, sucker! pumps a couple of quick shots after me, but outside of one lucky hit on the rear window, I'm home free. I head into town to stop on this side of the George Washington Bridge to put in the call of my old friend, Sergeant Finger of Homicide. Fortune, where are you? Never mind, listen. You want the guy who rubbed out the odd dealer Bates? You're darn right I do. Fortune, if you... They put the snatch on me, two thugs. A guy named Benzinger and a Neanderthal man named Puddler. What are you raving about? You gotta find him. They got a girl. How nice for them. Look, Fortune, why don't you make it easy for all of us? Turn yourself in to the nearest precinct. Finger, you gotta believe me. Don't you want the guy that knocked off Bates? You bet I do. Turn yourself in, Fortune. I'll let you take a manslaughter plea. I haven't got time to talk to you, knucklehead. Wait a minute, Fortune. Don't go away, man. Let's talk this thing over. How have you been? What else is new? There's Sergeant Finger for you, thinking all the time. Gonna trace the call. 
Bye now. I drive into town and get stuck in a traffic jam on 10th Avenue while I'm sitting between two 20-ton trucks, both of them dumping carbon monoxide down my throat. I keep thinking of that blonde, kind of fragile, like she was made of spun glass, but real spun. And then I remember, puddler with his face changing colors like a chameleon. A bell rings and a little electric light bulb lights up in front of my head. I head down 10th Avenue to the offices and workshop of the Mama Spectacular Company. Down in the shop working with a blowtorch, I find old Charlie Svoboda. Rocky, I ain't seen you since you was fired for misspelling a word in that beer sign at 42nd Street. How's the old glass blower? They still call you on every sign north of Trenton? Sure, sure. Who could make a spectacular without old Charlie? And Mama still makes all the big signs, huh? Well, we got a little competition, but they don't make nothing more than signs on powder room doors. That's what I figured. Charlie, I gotta find a special sign. What sign? All I know is the colors. Green, red, orange, yellow, blue, green. Uh-huh. Which is longest? The yellow. The green was the shortest. Yeah, yeah. I'll check it in the records for you, but I think I know the one. Yeah? What one? It's a beautiful sign. Six-cycle animation. I, I worked on it only last year. Where is it? A Bensonhurst in Brooklyn. Arf-arf dog food. Let arf-arf suit your food. Charlie looks it up and gives me the address. I put 10 gallons of gas in Mr. Benzinger's car, which I think is very nice of me under the circumstances, and head out to Bensonhurst. There's a sign with two dogs chasing each other around in circles. I take a line of sight from the sign to find two possible skylight windows. I climb up the stairs of the first loft and boil in. Ah! It turns out to be an artist who was painting a replacement for September morn. His model takes a dim view of my intrusion, so I get out in a hurry. The second loft, I figure, has got to be it. I go up the stairs real quiet. The door at the top is ajar, and I ease my way into the room without squeaking the hinge. Room is empty. I go across to the other door, grab hold of the doorknob, and yank. Sharon, are you all right? Oh, Rocky. The door was open. Why didn't you get away? I was tired. I just got loose. When I heard you, I, I thought it was those men coming back. No, I left Puddler with the pigs, but he could have gotten back by now. We better get out of here. I'm so glad to see you. Yeah. Come on. We re- Wait a minute. Listen. Here they come. What'll we do? Now look, they don't know I'm up here. Come on over here behind the door. What are you going to do? I brought a tire jack up from the car. We'll knock him off like ducks in a shooting gallery when he comes through the door. Shh. Careful, Puddler. Don't drop it. Like Puddler hits himself a ride back from Jersey. Here they come now. Ready? One. Drop the wrench, Rocky. What the? Grab him, Puddler. Don't bother. I have him covered. One move, Fortune. I'll blow a disc out of your spine. Lady, please do me a favor and shoot. I came back to rescue you. Well, that was very sweet of you. Did you get it, Benzinger? Yes, miss. Puddler, bring in the statue. The arm is off. But I didn't do it. Well, what do you know? The old bat from the art store. What do you want with that statue? Never mind. I told you we'd get it for you, miss. You've done brilliantly, haven't you? First you shoot Bates, and this imbecile lets Fortune get away from him. Come on, pick up the statue, and we'll all go in the car. How about Fortune? Couldn't I just... He comes with us till it's over. Let's go. Lady, if we're going in the car again, may I make one request? What is it? Let's not go Pullman this time. I'd like to sit up all the way. We are a happy crew in the car. 
Benzinger, Puddler, Sharon, the plaster statue, and little old curly-headed me. We head north on the east side drive over the bridge of the parkway into Westchester. When we roll through an iron grill gate with a big sign on it saying Sproul, I begin to get the idea. Benzinger, you come in with me and bring the statue. And remember, you tell the blind old fool you were Bates' assistant. Puddler? Yeah? Keep the motor running, and when we get the payoff, we've got to get out fast. Come on. After you, miss. And keep fortune sitting tight. The light, as they say, begins to dawn. Whatever it was that Bates was trying to sell the sprue, Sharon hijacked and cut herself in. Set Stella on it. Uh, they should have let me use the phone book. You know that some people use the phone book to look up numbers? They go? Never thought of that. You never thought of a lot of things. Like, for instance, this car's got an automatic shift. Yeah, so what? Well, you ought to have it neutral, not in drive like you got it. Listen, wise guy, you trying to tell me how to drive a getaway car? You got to be ready to start on an instant's notice. Like this? Hey, get your foot off. Ah, give me that gun. Look out the car. You got my foot jammed on. Yeah, it's a great pickup this model's got, huh? Go right into that house. Look out. <laughs> We go through the French doors like a knife through cheese and end up on the opposite wall of the living room with Benzinger pinned between the bumper and the brick fireplace. Puddle is slightly out of commission, having stuck his head through the windshield. I pile out of the car with Puddle's gun. Sharon's knocked head over tea cuddle, out like a light but still breathing very pretty. What is this? What, what, what happened? Pardon me, Mr. Frule. Is this the Sawmill River Parkway? What is the meaning of this? I'll call the police. I think it's a great idea. And when they get here, we'll hand them that statue you're cutting. Oh, no, no, no. It's mine. I paid for it. Lots of people paid for it. Bates, for one. Why, what are you talking about? I just paid this man $50,000. He's Bates' assistant. He's Bates' murderer. Murderer? Why did you pay fifty grand for this plaster statue? Why, it's not a plaster statue. It's, it's what's underneath. Look. Look, I'll show you. There. There. There you see, there it is. Aphrodite, the goddess of love, carved by Praxiteles himself. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful. You had bait steal it for you, covered over with that cheap plaster statue to hide. Oh, you think I care? Now it's mine, all mine. I hope the two of you are very happy. Maybe she'll write your letters. Letters? What are you talking about? You're going to the can, old-timer. You're an accessory before, after, and during a murder. She's beautiful. Beautiful. And that reminds me, Sharon. Sharon, baby. Uh, Can you hear me, honey? What? What is it? I got something important to ask you. What? Where does Puddler keep his Westchester book I want to call the cops? NBC has presented Frank Sinatra as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Others in tonight's cast were Jan Minor, Ted Osborne, Leon Janney, Joseph Julian, Ed Begley, and Mandel Kramer. Tonight's script was written by Ernest Canoy. Fred Way directed. Now to tell you about next week's adventure, here's Frank Sinatra as Rocky Fortune. Ever see a magician pull the disappearing act on somebody? I always wonder how they did it, and then finally I found out. 
A carnival guy pulled a disappearing act on me. The only trouble was he was trying to make me disappear for keeps. I'll tell you about it next week. See you around. This program was transcribed. This is the NBC Radio Network.